0: This is Man Afraid of Everything.
1: We're all going to do embarrassing things, and we're all afraid. We are all afraid.
0: I'm 34 years old, and I'm afraid of taking an improv class. Welcome to part one. I've always been afraid to talk to people. So, as a shy introvert who communicates primarily through typing, the idea of improv class is terrifying. I've always been the quiet, funny one. When I was in Little League, a teammate asked me to say Tyrannosaurus Rex. So I said T-Rex. When I was in high school, they voted me most shy. And in college, I actually almost tried out for an improv group. But then I thought, am I funny enough? I didn't think so. Improv came up again a year later on a trip to Disney World in 2005. I was talking to my girlfriend when I realized she was my only close friend. I had gone away to a college with 5,000 people and came home with one new friend, Anna. After graduation, Anna had actually taken classes at Second City Chicago. I decided at that moment in Disney, crying on a couch, that I was going to take classes too. Who knows, maybe I'd meet some people. I signed up for comedy writing at Second City, Chicago. My parents drove me downtown for that first class. I was embarrassed because I was 23. We sat in a circle and did writing exercises. I wrote about a dolphin introducing his teeth to someone's leg. Afterward, a classmate said I reminded him of Mitch Hedberg, and then he asked if I was on MySpace. MySpace? This was obviously a very long time ago. Throughout the program, I wrote monologues, blackouts, and fish-out-of-water scenes. Today's the day. Every character had a want. And yet, in every class, I wanted to get out of there. I've always felt trapped in classrooms. You can't just, like, get up and leave without making a scene. And I worried that nobody would like my scripts or that someone would pick me to read a character and I'd mess it up by being all monotone Or, they wouldn't pick me at all. Or, why do I always have to read the part of the creepy guy? I got myself so worked up once, I threw up in the bathroom. I wondered if there were the same toilets that Mike Myers or Chris Farley used. The writing classes were super quiet, but every once in a while, you'd hear loud screaming and swearing coming from other rooms. Those were the improv classes. I tried not to make eye contact with those people. For the last level of the writing program, we put up a show. I submitted a scene about Frank Lloyd Wright being a serial killer. He stashed bodies in the walls of his homes. I meticulously poured over every single word of the script. It killed every night. It was rewarding to see my script brought to life by all of the actors, the director, and the production team. This was it. I had to do comedy. So after I graduated from the comedy writing program, I did nothing. I could write five-page scenes, but what do you do with that? I couldn't write a review because I didn't have anyone to write it with. I didn't really bond closely with anyone. I was always afraid to speak up. People thought I was kind of weird. I wrote about Frank Lloyd Wright murdering people. I could throw in a funny line at the end of a conversation, but I didn't even know how to hang out. I spent two years in the writing program at Second City. And I only went out with classmates once. We got burgers. Otherwise, after class, I ran to my car. Six years later, in 2013, I tried comedy again. I took a class called Comedy Writing for the Internet. Second City had changed a lot in six years. We were in a classroom that used to have ratty old couches and uncomfortable chairs, but now... It was a swanky conference room with leather chairs and a mini fridge. We wrote articles, posted vines, started tumblers, but again, I came out with a skill set that didn't mean anything. What do I do with these things? I feel like I can do the work, but I can't connect with people. I'm afraid to let them in, or something. Right after I released the first episode of Man Afraid, I went to a meetup for podcasters and met Lena Anani. She told me she was about to start classes at Second City. The conversation got me thinking about comedy again. What if I tried improv? Improv sounds terrifying. Why am I afraid of improv? Well, everyone's watching you, criticizing you, judging you. I like to plan things, but there's no script in improv. I can't hide behind someone else's words. There's no safety net. I can't disappear into the background. What if I'm horrible? What if I say something wrong? What if I freeze up? I'm too quiet. I mumble. I don't raise my voice. I don't know how to emote. I can't hold conversations. Everyone's going to be more outgoing than me. They're going to be better actors, funnier. I won't fit in. I'll probably be way older. It's going to be the same as last time. I'll just disappear after class. I have no idea how to do improv anyway. How can I ground a character in reality if my reality is standing in the corner at a wedding freaking out and looking like a deer lost in the headlights. I took improv at Second City, Chicago. Before we met the random guy with tamales in his cooler, before the night's out until four in the morning, and before my life was completely upended, there was level A. I showed up for level A, lost in my thoughts and picking at my hangnails. I didn't know what to expect. All I knew about improv was there was a lot of yelling and standing in circles. Logan was also nervous.
2: When I walked into class, I was just like really quiet because I'm like, okay, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what improv is. I should have Googled it or something.
0: So was Michael.
3: And you could tell that almost everyone in the class was in a similar state. You know, the heart racing, the palms kind of sweating.
0: And Marla was keeping an eye on all of us.
4: I just remember scanning the room, you know, thinking, these are a bunch of characters. What's with these people? I I don't know. What's everyone's background and, and why they're here? And why am I here?
0: We made a circle and...
4: ...said why we were there. And I was floored by how many people were there because they either got promoted from an engineering role to a managerial role, and they wanted to feel more comfortable speaking in front of people, or they just wanted to be more outgoing, or they... We're a man afraid of everything. And that was so humbling because I think I was so nervous because I, you know, it's Second City. This is where Tina Fey, Chris Farley started. I thought it was going to be all these people trying to make it big and trying to make it all about themselves. And that is not true.
0: I hate doing an intro in front of groups. I miss everyone else's introductions because I'm too busy worrying about what I'm going to say. I couldn't tell if I was all sweaty from being nervous or if it was the heat. It was so hot in that room. DJ was feeling it.
5: The doors closed, there was like no air, there
0: were screeching people beyond the wall. And pretty soon, we were going to be those screeching people. DJ's in his early twenties and moved to Chicago from Louisville in 2015.
5: I was nervous that we would spend eight weeks just passing invisible balls to each other or pretending we had like a kitten in our arms and then, oh, good job, independent of how well the person did. And then like, that's it. Once we got started, I realized like, oh, okay, there's gonna be a little bit more to this. And it sort of put those uh, nerves at ease.
0: We made a circle. Circles are a big part of warming up at Second City. We played a game to memorize each other's names. We made eye contact with someone, pointed at them and said their name. We passed names all around the circle, only focusing on our partners. It was fun, but nerve-wracking. Michael was directly across from me, trying to keep up.
3: It was pretty, pretty unreal how nervous I was and everyone else was. Uh, Completely brand new people in this room, and suddenly you start having to expose yourself and act in front of them and uh, touch them and hold hands. Uh, it, It was very... Difference.
0: As an overall introduction to improv, our instructor Kimmy told us, improv equals love. I had no idea what that meant at the time, but she also said she wanted us to be fearless by the end of class, which was pretty much exactly what I was looking for. In that first class though, I was not fearless. We played a game where we had to jump out and yell a slogan for dog food. You could say anything. I remember Kimmy, patted my hand to say, it's okay, and then pushed me out there. I froze up, and then I blurted out, I I can't believe it's not butter. It was so dumb, but I didn't die. At the end of our exhausting first class, Kimmy told us we couldn't leave until we hugged everyone. Huh? We gotta, we have to touch people? I made my way around the room, hugging people of all shapes and sizes. I was definitely out of my element. I haven't had physical contact with that many people in a row, like, ever. My classmate Haley.
4: <laughs> oh my god, well, I can tell you the very first class, something hit right away, I was at the end. <laughs> I was like, okay, we have to hug everyone before we leave, because I had, it's so much better now, but I had huge, huge issues with, like, physical touch and especially strangers touching me. I'm not a hugger really, so I was like, oh my
2: god, I have to hug all these people. So that that was just that was a lot for me.
0: And yet Haley made her way through the group and hugged Logan.
2: Okay, I am a hugger. I don't know what it is, but if someone was to have a sign up and said free hugs, I would be that weird person and be like, okay, let me give you a hug.
5: And DJ, I love hugging people. However, improv is a very physical thing to do. And like some people, I have a propensity to perspire. A perspensity, if you will. And I don't think you will. Um, But that was really the only thing I was worried about, like hugging strangers, whatever. Like, let's do it. It's, you know, we're going to be together for eight weeks.
0: And Michael.
3: Oh, man. Uh, So I love hugs. But I I don't I was definitely skeptical of hugging a whole bunch of strangers at that point. I mean, we had been through 3 hours of class together, but it's still you just met these 15 people and now you're going to hug everyone. Uh, and you know, I figured, okay, well, I've I've signed up for this class. <clears throat> I might as well go ahead and do this and just go with it. I'm I'll just say yes and and hug everyone and it was actually kind of nice. I feel like the first time it was a little bit weird and made people nervous. And then, you know, by the eighth time it was, yeah, this is awesome. Like this, this is how class ends and it's great.
0: But why hugs? I wanted to find out. So I asked Kimmy Kapanek-Warner, who's been teaching at Second City for 12 years.
1: I'm Kimmy Campanic warner and I teach improv at Second City <laughs> and a bunch of other places. To be honest with you. The majority of the feedback I get, like, I will get emails that, I mean, three-page emails are people like, you don't know how bad I needed that. It forces a human connection between you and a stranger. You can learn this stuff, but when you're touching somebody and you're hugging somebody appropriately, <laughs> um, I feel like it brings you closer together. You There is something that you really do care about this person, and it's not just bullshit.
0: Kimmy loves improv. And she'll never forget how she got the gig at Second City.
1: Like at the time, Second City had this teacher training seminar, which uh, we turned resumes into, you got accepted into, and it was this Monday through Friday, like nine to five kind of education about everything you need to know about improv. And to me, it was like dying and going to heaven. I was like, oh my God, like these people are amazing. I, I, (laughs) I was blown away. And um. And I think that was like October, and then in January it came around, and I remember being in a parking garage downtown. I get so choked up when I talk about this, but um, and I got the phone call saying, "Would you like to teach the Second City?" And I started crying. <laughs> I'm such a sap, <laughs> but like that's how much it meant to me, and still
0: does. Improv equals love. After all the hugging in our first class, Kimmy told us we could see the main stage performers play improv games for free. I wasn't sure how to get to the main stage, which was sad because I had spent two years doing comedy writing at the training center. Eventually, I found the entrance and asked the coat girl what time the free show was. She said between 10 and 10.30 after the main performance. It was 9.45. I went back to my car and sat alone while I charged my phone. Half an hour later, I headed back to the theater and waited on a church pew in the lobby. The audience was going crazy, and I thought, when is this show gonna end? The performance finally ended, and people flooded into the lobby. I got up and stood next to some merchandise. Then the ticket booth closed. Then random doors started opening and employees appeared out of nowhere. Then employees hugged each other and started leaving. I waited a little longer. It was approaching 11. Finally, I worked up the courage to ask someone, did they already do the free show? Yeah. Oh. I waited around for an hour and 15 minutes for nothing. At least the first class wasn't so bad. My classmate Marla just graduated from college last year and moved to Chicago from a small town in Indiana. She left that very first class.
4: Feeling changed as a person. I, I noticed that I would just look at things differently because, you know, the number one rule is there are no wrongs and to accept one another and trust one another. And I just felt like every time I walked in the room, I was entering a judgment-free zone. It was just so freeing. And I tell everyone that I, I've talked to about improv that it's almost therapeutic.
0: They were just little things, but I started to do them. Look people in the eyes. Pay attention. Listen. Comedy writing was all about dialogue. I could go back and edit every single word until it was perfect. Improv was the total opposite. You don't even need words. You can tell an entire story with an eyebrow raise. Improv is about listening and reacting. Being in the moment. Overthinking will make you drown. I've always had problems stepping forward because I am an overthinker. But Second City accounts for that. Your partners are there to support you. You have to trust them and know that it's okay to fail. It's not about you. It's about the ensemble. Kimmy can explain it better than I can.
1: You know, there's so many different schools on improv. There's so many different theories. There's so many different thoughts. But I guess mine is, and I was heavily influenced, like, probably by Brian Posen and Martin DeMont. The guys who taught me, like, you can learn this with love. And it when you really break it down on stage. If you put all your energy and respect and love towards somebody else on stage, they're going to do the same for you. And that's kind of why it works. Um, But a lot of people think improv is something totally different than what it is. They're like, oh, it's about coming here and being funny. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's about being that weird, wonderful, embarrassing you and being okay with no matter how messed up you are and how much of an idiot you are, because guess what? We're all messed up and we're all idiots. And We're all going to do embarrassing things, and we're all afraid. We are all afraid.
0: To break us from our egos, we practiced a technique called mirroring. You gaze into your partner's eyes and take turns leading one another's movements until eventually you're moving as one person. It was difficult and kind of uncomfortable just to stare into someone's eyes, but when a couple was in sync, it was incredible to watch. Every Thursday night was a two-hour race to get downtown for class on time. I'd stop drinking water within half an hour of the start of class so I wouldn't have to pee. I'd have five minutes to spare after I parked. I'd be running across the street thinking, did I remember everything? Do I have water? Should I wear a sweatshirt? I could put the water in my sweatshirt. Where am I going to sit? I'd get to class feeling winded and nervous. Initially, a lot of improv was just asking myself, What do I do with my arms? You're probably familiar with the principle of yes and. Basically, you agree to everything your partner says and then say something to further the story. So, if there's a monster in the closet, you say, I'll get the broom. You don't say, no, monsters don't exist. After our second class, a group of us made our way over to the main stage this time i got there early enough to get in the world famous theater was a lot smaller than i had expected six amazing improvisers created scenes on a shallow stage my classmate griffin found it enlightening to say the least you got to see the little techniques that you were learning right away Um, you're like oh that's what they're doing oh they're doing that oh they're doing that perfect Um, and as you move forward and you continue to see them you realize how disciplined they need to be and how many times they've run scenes. After the show, we went to a bar called 1959. I opened and closed out the first bar tab of my life. I was 34. I had a Coke. I made an effort to go out after every class, even if it meant I only slept a few hours. I didn't want to repeat my comedy writing experience. I wanted to get to know my classmates. After classes, we saw shows and went from bar to bar. After a while, Logan started to join us. Logan had jumped over into improv from the world of acting.
2: I wasn't going out because, um, for me, I'm always trying new things, and then I don't trust the things that I'm trying. So then when everyone was like, oh, I'm going to the show, I was so used to the group that I was with before, and we never did anything. So I was so used to saying bye, and then we go home. So for you guys to go, and I'm just like, eh, I'll probably just go home. I knew I was missing out on things that they were doing in the shows that I could probably use in the classes and then have a connection with you guys. So I felt like a almost like a disconnect from not going to the show. So that's why I try to, like, go even when I'm, like, dead, dying, need sleep. I still, like, go and, like, just, just, just go and experience with you guys as much as I can.
0: The energy of improv class and live theater made me feel wired. I could never fall asleep after class. My classmate, Michael, felt like...
3: The the excitement, especially when you have a class that goes really, really well, where you kind of overcame something that uh, was difficult before, uh, the high that you feel after you walk out of class is, is really just amazing.
0: Michael's a reinsurance analyst in his 20s.
3: Sometimes I get home and and I just I can't sleep uh, because it's there's just like you get this rush of adrenaline and dopamine or whatever it's it's just really exciting and um, yeah it's it's a really really good feeling after class.
0: Every session threw something new at us. We walked in expecting to play little games and then out of nowhere Kimmy asked us to do a monologue in front of the class. We had to tell our funniest and most embarrassing stories. It was just us in front of everyone, revealing our secrets and ourselves. I had played the games and I sweated through the monologues, but I was not ready for Freeze. In Freeze, two people perform a scene. At a good stopping point, a member of the ensemble claps and yells Freeze. Then they tag out one of the performers and assume their exact position and start a new scene. I could never pick a perfect moment. I kept waiting for inspiration. What's a funny line? I'd spot a funny pose, but then they'd move and I'd lose the moment. We learned that the longer you wait in the background, the harder it is to get out. You'll sink into quicksand and the audience notices that you have not gone. If Michael and I sat on the back wall for too long, we'd draw attention to ourselves.
3: I think pretty much almost every activity that we did for the first three or four weeks, I was hesitant to jump out and do it. Like it, it just there was this constant stream of like, what if I screw up? What if this isn't funny? What if um you know, what if I just don't have anything to say and I'm just stuck there and, and it looks awkward? And so it was it was um yeah, it was it was pretty much constant. To combat this,
0: Kimmy had us turn our backs to the performers. And we had to clap and yell freeze blindly.
1: I remember doing freeze with you and, um, you know, and you know how sometimes I just, I'll just like poke you guys in the back or the shoulder. I'm like, go out there, go out there, go out there. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's baptism by fire, but I think what you you learn when you go out there, like in, in the freeze tag thing or other exercises you might be reluctant to do is that, oh, I did it and I lived. Nothing bad happened, and guess what, maybe I got a laugh, maybe I was pretty successful, and my group supported me.
0: We had a sub one night named Brian Posen, the head of the beginning improv department. That wasn't intimidating at all. He told us to relax into the chaos, which seemed impossible for me considering it took me hours to relax at a Korean spa specifically built for relaxation. Brian taught us how to use objects. It's basically the art of holding invisible things. I stuffed an owl, opened a box with a bar of gold in it, and learned how to properly hold a phone. I'd worry about using the invisible objects properly. Was I holding a beer? I was holding a beer. Should I set the beer down? Should I drink it? I don't know what to do with this beer. In later classes, we started doing short little scenes. The class would sit along a wall, and two people had to volunteer to go up. I was always afraid of volunteering. I just sit there quietly and try to go last. The more scenes I watched, the more anxious I'd feel. Uh, it, It was almost better to go first. What's a scene? It's when you and a partner go up in front of class and act out a scene based on a prompt. So here's an emotion, or a scenario, or a location. I did a scene with Haley where I recited a poem on the fly about meeting the love of my life next to a dumpster. And for our anniversary, we were going to climb into the dumpster for a romantic meal. I thought I was getting a pretty good grasp on improv, but then Kimmy told us we were going to dance. I I can't dance. I don't really know how to use my body in general. Uh, my go-to pose is arms crossed in front or hands behind my back. Kimmy busted out the Bluetooth speaker and put on Truly, Madly, Deeply by Savage Garden and me and Michael played astronauts bounding around on the moon. We chased each other around in zero gravity until we got to the safety of our ship. People would give me compliments after class, but I've never been very confident. They'd say, You're so funny. Are you being serious? Yeah. I was kind of awkward. I was worried about my short-term memory, too. You have to listen closely in improv. But it was hard to pay attention when my mind was constantly racing around about other things. Oh, I wore these shoes again? There's a hole in these shoes. I forgot deodorant today. I have an Altoid in my pocket, but I have change in my pocket, so that's gross if it touched the Altoid. When can we take a break? I told the teacher, Kimmy, it was hard for me to get the words out, because I'm so used to getting words out with my fingers. I had to learn how to communicate verbally. Initially, I spent a lot of time just listening and the group picked me up. Kimmy had felt this overwhelming support firsthand.
1: We had this huge finale number, but I didn't have to sing, and I was relieved because I wasn't a good singer. And I had a nice little supportive choir part. Um, And two minutes before we went on stage, the girl who had the big finale number got an offender bender, and our director's like, you have her part. And uh, I... This is the closest I think I've ever come to having a panic attack. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I wrote her four lines on my hand because, which shouldn't even be like, who can't memorize four lines? But I think because of the anxiety and the fact that like, I'm going to have to sing this in front of people in a very short period of time just freaked me out so bad. And I would have to, and then our show's starting and I'm in the show and I'd go out and be in a sketch and I'd be like, yay. And I'd come backstage and I'm just losing my shit backstage just going, Oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm like, like, like crying on the verge of crying, like go back out. And when it came time to do it, um, I stepped out there and I squeaked through one line and I squeaked through another line. And when I got done saying the second line, like I exhaled and like my whole being was like, you got this. And then I go to deliver my third line and nothing comes out. And, and it felt like an eternity. I felt so alone I felt like I had eye contact with every single person in the audience I could see from the stage. And my parents were there that night, people I work with. And all all I remember is, like, I didn't even know what to do. Like, I just stood there and the piano player is playing a slower version of our song. Nobody's singing. Nobody's doing anything. And I just show the audience my hand with the four lines on it. And I start singing, like, I'm a dumbass. I forgot the words even though they're written on my hand. And my ensemble starts going, she's a dumbass. She forgot the words even though they were written on her hand. And I'm like, I filled in at the last minute. I can't sing. She filled in at the last minute. She can't sing. And no matter what I said, they just yes and me and they supported me. And uh, when I got off stage, of course, because I'm a weeper, I just cried and I was like that was for me I was like no I know what yes and means I get it when you see somebody struggling especially being on the back line you don't want to associate yourself with that person you're like that person's dying out there I don't want to go out there and die with them but I think that's what improv teaches you you're like no that's our job it's not about me standing back here not wanting to look like a fool it is my job to join her and look like a fool
0: After class one night, I was sitting at the nineteen fifty nine bar when I recognized someone from high school. Normally, I'd avoid all eye contact. I turned to a classmate and said, I think I went to high school with that guy over there. If this was a year ago, I would've just pretended I didn't see him, but I think I'm going to go over and say hi. My classmates offered to be my wingmen. I've never had wingmen, so I declined. I walked over and said hello. I shook his hand, and he introduced me to his wife and invited me to join them. I sat down and we talked for almost an hour. I learned more in that hour than I did in four years of high school. I looked them in the eyes, listened, and reacted. It felt pretty good not to shy away from having a face-to-face interaction. I was actually doing more than just texting and emailing people. Less than a week before I released this episode, I sat down with my classmate, Zyla, and this happened. Once I started interviewing you guys in improv, like I walked out of these things that I'm like, I really know that, them a lot better. The stuff that we talk about is just so much better than it is if it's over video chat or a phone. It's just different. Like you can sense like when somebody's being like real, you know, like, and it's, when you have those important conversations, like it has to be in person, you know, like mm-hmm. I, in my opinion. Other people might think it's okay to send uh, emojis or whatever. <laughs>
5: no, we're hiding behind technology, and there's, it's just, I think it's— when you, you think about all the— maybe the um, relatives you're not talking to because of some misunderstanding, and there's always two sides of the story, but those two people are never sitting down to talk about it and realize, you know, they really care about each other, but they just can't get to a room to talk about it because it's just so emotional for them. Like, I think that's what we need more of. It's just like, hey, let's just commit to talk to each other face-to-face, and figure this out because too many people are afraid of having that conversation
0: during the eight weeks of level a i don't know if i just learned improv or if i learned how to talk to people to trust them and to start letting them in
1: you know we can't guarantee that you're not going to be uncomfortable but we can guarantee that it's going to be a safe place to experience something with a group of people and you're going to learn within that experience um for me because I wanted so bad to be good at improv when I learned it and I wasn't and I sucked and I was horrible and I had awesome teachers and I had teachers that were very scary like I was afraid to go to class but I went to class every single time because of the art form not necessarily because of the teacher and I think because of that experience and learning it with a lot of fear I guess that's always stuck in my mind that like you can teach this stuff without being scary
0: And yet Kimmy told me she found it strange that I didn't seem afraid in class. Wait, what? People can't see that? When I'm lost in my head, are people thinking my blank expression conveys disinterest? That would explain a lot. That could be why I haven't really connected with people.
1: Again, I think you're just, like, more stoic and introverted. Like, you can see who's extroverted and introverted and, like, who might struggle with stuff or even how your voice is, like, it's a little bit, you know, lower or you're not as physical or you're not showing, or like, bigger emotions like maybe other people are.
0: Level A was cozy, fun, and had lots of games. So I didn't really have any fears about signing up for Level B. What I didn't realize was Level B was going to be something far more intimidating for someone like me. Thanks for listening to Season 2, Episode Number 9. There may not be another one. Man Afraid of Everything is me, Jed. You can find more episodes at getafraid.com. Theme music by FF Lowbeats. Thanks to my classmates and Kimmy for sharing their stories. Thanks to Marla for helping with the edit. Special thanks to all who previewed and gave me feedback. Subscribe and be the first to hear part two.